Here, here we are with Book of Boba Fett, and uh, we have a disagreement. This week, fists to be thrown. The cyborg gang I thought were just ridiculously stupid. You know what, John? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All the toxicity has left me now. <laughs> Black Chrysanthemum, clothesline two Gamorians down the stairs was unbelievable. Hello there and welcome to episode 41 of Live from Vader's Castle. As always, you're joined by your two hosts, myself, Dan McQuarrie, and my co-host, John Lee. How are we doing, John? Hello there, Dan. Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm ready to get stuck in to this uh, this this Book of Boba Fett discussion. Oh, it's going to be, going to be quite a discussion, I think, as well. It's going to be heated. Usually we just bounce off each other. Usually we just bounce off each other, agreeing every now and again. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes, good point there, Dan. Oh, yes, good point there, John. But this week, fists will be thrown. Yeah, I know. I was, I was going to say, we've actually not had that many disagreements over Star Wars content in the uh, the time that we've been doing this podcast. And the things we do disagree on, we actually haven't got around to talking about yet. Um, so this is, I think this is the first time where... Uh, Spoiler alert, John has a different opinion to me on this episode. I've got a different opinion to John, so we'll, uh, we'll see how this how this discussion goes. But yeah, fists might might get thrown. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? There's always going to be, there's bound to be something in our in our um, <clears throat> series of podcasts where we disagree on something. It's, it's taken 41 episodes, I think, yeah, um, exactly. pretty much to, to get there, but... Yeah, we made it through. Made it through an entire season of Bad Batch, being pretty much on like on the same level with like every episode. The episodes that we didn't rate so much, we pretty much agreed on. The episodes that we really liked, we pretty much agreed on. And then, uh, and then here, here we are with Book of Boba Fett, and uh, we have a disagreement. So we're, we're definitely going to get stuck into that. Um, but before we do, how's life, John? Any 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 updates for the fans? You moved anywhere like I have. <laughs> No, I'm I'm still in my uh, same old bedroom as, as always, and the fans will be disappointed to hear that I haven't started the new High Republic book yet. It's sitting oh, on my bedside table, oh, tempting me every every night. I look at it and go, "Oh, should I should I read this?" And then I'm like, "Oh no, I'll, I'll watch some more TikToks for an hour." I have to say, "Shame on me," but yeah, that's about it. Really. So to our friends on Instagram who are to our Star Wars book community friends on Instagram who are waiting for the Life of Vader's Castle Fallen Star podcast episode. This is why you're waiting, this guy over here. I'm sorry, uh, I apologise. <laughs> Throw him under the bus. <laughs> letting, you, letting you down, boys and girls. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, 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 we're going to get around to that soon. I've, uh, to be fair, I am actually haven't even got around to starting listening to my audio book re-read of it. So I'll let John off on this one. Thank you. I mean, I'm very much looking forward to us. It's one of those things where I'm looking forward to reading it so much. I just want to be in the right frame of mind, settled. True. Yeah, like, true. Really you have to be in the right mindset. I, yeah. Before I like yeah. open up the first page, I want to be like, I want to prepare myself for it in that sort of frame of mind. So tonight may be the night. We shall see. Well, I hope so, it is. Yeah. I hope it is. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of moving, I, I'm back. I've returned, John. Um, we're no longer recording out of a premier inn in the in the middle of Scotland. I'm back in my bedroom again. Oh, good to see you. They're not paying for that extortionate Wi-Fi price. Oh, I know. I know. I had to pay five wife. quid just to record a podcast. Disgraceful stuff. <laughs> no, I'm, Straight on the expense account. 
Yeah, exactly. That's me. That's me back from my from my week away working. Uh, you know, might not be that long before I'm away again. But you know, this this podcast is a, is a train that can't stop. Uh, so uh, we'll, we always find a way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got to get these weekly episodes going, <clears throat> especially with such hot topics such as uh, Book of Boba Fett talk about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At least until uh, the the end of the season, because <laughs> we had a discussion about doing. You know, doing the classic podcast thing where you uh, do season one and then you do a whole new, whole new launch for season two. And I think, I think the discussion was we were going to hit episode fifty and then start season two of Life in Vader's Castle. So maybe we'll take one single week off when that happens, or two, or three. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those things that <clears throat> come back for season two, and I'm sure the fans were expecting some sort of big life change or something. And I'm like, no, still it's the exact same me, live at home, same job, same whatever. Nothing's changed. Um, we're just here for season two. <laughs> John will just be gone because we've argued so much on this episode that he'll actually just get kicked off the show and uh, I'll replace him with our mate Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll all fall to you. <laughs> it was, yeah, if, if, if Joe was the second host, every episode would be an argument. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure we get many of listeners just yeah. to uh, tune in to see what. Dan and Joe would argue about that week, but I mean, yeah, to be honest, we did say to Joe when we started the podcast 41 weeks ago that we'd let him be a guest on an episode, and we still haven't done it yet. So maybe we're going to have to stick to our word and do the Joe Daniel episode at some point. Yeah, just trying to get him to sign that bloody waiver so he doesn't go off on a tangent about God knows what. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Trying to trying to claim all our money off of us as well. It's disgraceful. <laughs> so you know how much we earn on this podcast? Millions, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a bid to Skywalker Ranch as we speak. Right, should we uh, should we talk Book of Boba Fett then? Yeah, <clears throat> let's just get let's do it. So, uh, obviously, we're, in this episode we're coming at you on a Monday, so we're talking about last week's episode, um, but obviously the new one isn't out yet, so it's still the most recent episode, Chapter Three: The Streets of Moss Esper which uh, came out, as we said, last Wednesday, 12th of January, written, as always, by John Favreau and directed, this time, by Robert Rodriguez again, who directed the first episode. So I think, I believe, he's he's been given three episodes. So this is the second of his three episodes he's directed. Um, this episode, well, I was going to say... Um, has 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 been has come with a bit of controversy, but what in Star Wars these days doesn't come with a bit of controversy? But there's been some backlash, which we come to expect with anything Star Wars related. But this one, I feel like, is a bit wider reaching. I feel like it's it's got to people such as yourself, John. That I wouldn't describe as toxic. Um, who has who even have their issues with this episode? So it's not just like the toxic people who hate it because Disney has made it. It's like actually, you know, it's spread its wings out to people who are fairly on board with Star Wars who just have some problems with this episode. So there's definitely been some backlash, and I think we're we're here to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw out there, you know, uh, it's not like I didn't enjoy where this episode went. You know, like I understood the, the story it was telling in this episode, you know, what was happening in this hour, 30, 40 minutes or however long it was. <clears throat> um, like the overall image of this uh, episode, no problems with that. Like that's all fine. There's just some creative choices I've probably gone down a different lane with. Um, you know, like, yeah, I will get into it, but uh, there's a few things I would have changed um, just to help this story, in my opinion, fly slightly better or just have you know give things 
don't know how to describe it. It just seems like they were avoiding doing things on purpose and then filling them in with things that were just of lesser quality, which I'm sure once we get into it and I'll explain, maybe we'll make a bit more sense. But that's just how I felt about the episode. I think that's a fair criticism. I definitely have some issues with it, like some of the creative choices. It's it's definitely my least favourite of the three. (laughs) So the headline is, it is the worst episode of Book of Boba Fett ever because it's the... (laughs) <laughs> the worst of the three they've put out in my opinion but i've watched it twice now first time around i was i got to the end and i was a bit like hmm something wasn't quite right and i couldn't figure out what it was and then i watched it again and i sort of figure out the things that i didn't i had a problem with but then when i watched it again i was like you know what this is just kind of weird star wars and i'm always there for weird star wars so whilst it's not my favorite episode of star wars television um i didn't have sort of as big a problem with it as i know quite a few other people did so i for me it's you know if we're putting it out of 10 it's probably like a 7 out of 10 whereas opposed to like last week episode i would have given that like a 9 out of 10 because episode was flames so that's where i'm at um <clears throat> but i know john whilst you're you're being quite diplomatic at the moment i know there's some things that you <laughs> vehemently disagreed with <laughs> this episode Yes, very, very strongly disagreed with a few things. I'll, <clears throat> I'll start with my, my positives of the episode. But obviously, it goes without saying, you know, the, the episode looks you know, um, visually um, stunning. Um, as we've mentioned, I think, before in the podcast, you know, the uh, the volume has come along leaps and bounds since Mando season two. You know, it looks, it looks so good. But some of the scenes look fantastic, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> uh, so that's, that's a positive I've thrown out there. Um, and as, as always, over the last two episodes, and I've said this quite a lot, but the, the past Boba stuff, again, was some of my favourite stuff in the entire episode. Yeah. That was very yeah. short. I did um, really, I really enjoyed those those scenes. Um, so I think at the moment, <clears throat> you know, the past Boba stuff has really been stand out for me and it continued into this episode as well. Uh, I'm really, I wasn't sure if they did, I wasn't even sure we'd see any past Boba in this episode, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, you know, I cover quite a bit. So I thought maybe they'd go like a whole episode, maybe two without showing any um, previous or past tense, Bob. But I'm glad that they did because as, as I just said, it was a standout, um, standout highlights of the episode for me. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying where they're going with that, that um, time frame for that character. I'm, yeah. On board with that. Yeah. The flashback was definitely a, a, dish, a delicious little treat in this episode. Yeah. It was much shorter, but I think I felt felt like that was a a good decision because I think the first two episodes were sort of very prominently flashback and then the present day stuff was a bit shorter. This time they sort of flipped the formula on its head and they gave more time to the present day stuff and a little bit less time to the flashback, which I personally liked. I thought it was a a really effective flashback. There's a couple of things I have slight issues with, but then there's also things I thought they did incredibly well with the flashback. So we'll get to that when we sort of speak on it in a little bit more detail. Um, but yeah, overall, I, uh, I really enjoyed the flashback and I, I liked how they framed it within the episode in the sense of like, you know, the episode started, stuff happened. They set up the episode into the flashback and then he gets ripped out of the flashback against choice and that's why we don't go back to the flashback i think that was quite a nice clever way of doing it of like you know flashback interruption from big scary wookie which and i'm sure is something that we're going to talk about um at length in this episode as well so yeah i agree with you i think there were two scenes that for me were the best part of this episode and the flashback was one of them i really liked him 
going and going to Moss Eisley and speaking to the Pikes. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a good setup. I like how they're starting to tie together the two storylines with the Pikes being a antagonistic threat in both the past and the present, which I think is really interesting, clearly. Whether the Pikes are the big, big bad of the series, we don't know yet, but it's definitely looking like that. So that that's that's interesting. And the um just the absolute horror of, you know, Boba discovering that the his Tuscan tribe has been slaughtered by the the Nikto um sand riders. Um I just yeah, I thought that scene was incredibly emotional, really, really sad. Particularly the the shot of Tamara Morrison putting the the uh, young Tuscans sort of not not fully made gaffy stick onto the fire. Funny how when we started this podcast um, series on Book of Boba Fett with episode one, we said how much we hated that little kid. I wouldn't think I would have been so upset <laughs> seeing his representation of his dead body because we didn't see his actual dead body being, being put on the fire. So yeah, it was all very, uh, very emotional and very, very beautiful stuff. Uh, did you, did you feel similar ways? Did you, did that Tuscan scene make you feel nice and upset? It did, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I know we'd mentioned uh, previously in the episode that we assumed something would happen to these Tuscan Raiders in order to uh, help Boba, you know, move on and get into where we see him in the in like Mando season uh, two. But I didn't, I didn't expect it to be in episode three. To be honest, like, I didn't expect it to be in this episode um, that we'd see, you know, all the all the Tuscans are slaughtered by the uh, <clears throat> Nikto uh, gang. And yeah, I mean, completely agree that little bastard um was not uh, my good books at the start of the uh start of the the uh, season he was a bit of a dick uh but john favreau sat there and he's like we i'm gonna make these these viewers eat their words and they're gonna <clears throat> they're gonna feel really bad about themselves and kind of yeah. three because we've now killed him off and i'm sitting there thinking oh maybe i was a bit harsh to the poor fella so yeah, shame on you guilty. john for making me feel this way yeah, no, definitely. It, yeah, it was really, it was really effective and really sad. And I, I sort of did expect them to do it, which I guess is one of my my little criticism and my little nitpick that I do have about that scene with the Tuscans is it's it's a bit of a trope in you know these sorts of you know media storytelling where you get sort of like you know the outsider joins the tribe and then the tribe gets slaughtered and the outsider leaves a better person like it's a trope that's been done a lot before i sort of expected it was where they were going to go but i hoped maybe they might do something a bit different or they might because the tuscans they really were fleshed out characters as opposed to just um some are sort of the really stereotypical and problematic characters you get in the past with sort of these sort of sorts of sort of storylines with indigenous um characters and you know outsiders joining the tribe and sort of thing that we've seen before but i thought they obviously handled it so well particularly in episode two that i was hoping they might go down a slightly different route and they might keep the tuscans alive for a bit longer or just sort of done something a little bit different or just like given us one more flashback um sort of segment in an episode with him working with them before they died so Whilst I did enjoy it and I thought it was really, really emotional, I didn't enjoy it because obviously it was sad, but you know what I mean? Like I thought it was a really effective scene, really well filmed, <clears throat> great acting from Tamara Morrison. I thought the whole thing was brilliant. I do just slightly wish that maybe they had just allowed us to spend a bit more time with the Tuscans or 
done something a little bit different from that sort of very common trope. But then when, when you look at it within the context of the story they're telling about Boba Fett, why he is different now to how he was in the past, it does make complete sense because it's like, this is his family that he's found and they've been taken away from him. And that is obviously going to do a lot to change a person. So I can understand within the context of the show why they did it, but and, you know, I just kind of wanted to spend a bit more time with like the Tuscan warrior, for example, like the Tuscan chieftain. I thought they were brilliant characters. So um, that's all I'll say on that. Although they specifically didn't show the Tuscan warrior's body. So in my head, she is still alive out there somewhere and we might see her again in the show. Um, maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but we saw the chieftain and then we know the boy's dead, but we didn't see her. So maybe that's intentional. Yeah, I did think that when I was watching this scene. I was I was keeping a sharp eye out for um, the Tuscan warrior's uh, body, but obviously we don't we don't see it. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe at some point in another few episodes she she will like reappear and maybe her and Bob will go off um, as like a duo to like survive the lands or join another you know, Tuscan Raider clan or something like that. Because I, I do agree with you there that um, it is a shame that we only had these. You know, we only really had two episodes with these Tuscan Raiders. Um, it would have been nice to have a bit more time with them because, as you say, they were characters that had been fleshed out and it would have been nice to see a bit more of um, their culture and things because those have been the highlights for me and you in the, over the last uh, two um, two episodes. And I'm sure for a lot of other people, they've been they've been the highlights for the episodes. So it's a shame that we won't get as much um, Tuscan, Tuscan experience in the future episodes upcoming. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good scene, as you say, well shot, well acted. And um, <clears throat> it's just, uh, I would have personally put it maybe on episode like five or, or six, something like that, to give us a bit more time. But I mean, they, they might have something else to come up with that might, um, like a new Tuscan tribe or something like that to come up with. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll wait and see to see what happens. With yeah, I imagine Tuscan they've got, episodes. got more story to tell. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. I try not to judge a story until like its completion. So there's probably a reason why they've ended the Tuscan story on episode three, because there's probably more story to tell in the flashbacks. So I'll, um, I'll wait until the season's finished to make my ultimate decision on whether they killed him off at the right time or whether they should have killed him off altogether. But um, mixed feelings on it, but I did think the scene was incredible. And that whole flashback sequence was, I mean, just seeing Boba Fett in Tuscan garbs, riding a banther through the desert. Jeez, that shot was unreal. Yeah, I mean, it was very cool. Although I'm sitting there watching it and I'm just like, <clears throat> they seem like the slowest form of transport. <laughs> it's like, Christ, I like those things <laughs> move walk so quicker. slowly. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I get you don't want to be walking in the desert for like miles on end, but I was like, Christ, can we just, these things speed up a little bit maybe? It's like, oh, I mean, you're there for days. I mean, have you seen how slow camels are, John? Uh, it's, you know, it's the, I guess it's the equivalent, really. Yeah, but have you seen those camel race? You can see camel racing. Actually, uh, true. Yeah. racing. Those More, camels can move. We haven't seen Bamfer racing yet, so maybe it exists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would enjoy seeing that. To be fair, like Tuscans down the races, all gambling on the beers. Yeah, great, great laugh. <laughs> on the beers, on the black melon juice, dig <laughs> <laughs> out from the ground. <laughs> right, John. Um, You've you've given me some some positives. You, you've probably got a few more positives that uh, you can bring up later. Let, let let the people hear it. What what did you not like about this episode? Let's talk about it right now, so we can give the the listeners what they want a good a good life from Vader's castle argument. 
Ah, oh, where do I begin? Um, uh, that's actually a great question. Where do I begin? Uh, I'm just going to go off the top of my head. <clears throat> Things that are popping into my head. Um, the conversation at the beginning with the guy complaining about his water, I thought I enjoyed the conversation up to a point. And then I was like, okay, now we're just running around the houses here. Like, <clears throat> just get to the point. You're Boba Fett. Just ask him where he wants and he can leave. Um, uh, the cyborg gang, I thought, were just ridiculously stupid. Like, as, as soon as there was mention of a cyborg gang, I was like, oh, they're augmenting themselves with, like, battle droid parts and, like, droid parts. I was like, they're going to be badass. You know, I was picturing, like, um, any Marvel fans out there, oh, their name's drawn a blank on me, but I'm pretty sure they're like an X-Men villain, the Ravagers, Reapers, something like that. They're like a badass bunch of cyborgs. I, I had that picture in my mind. Um, you know, I was expecting like a guy with like a super battle droid arm, something like that. So he's like, you know, just go out there mowing down people if the time time came to it. <clears throat> but what, what enhancement did they have? Some guy had some stupid eye. Another woman had like an arm from like what seemed to be like a, a service robot that's provided no use whatsoever. Another guy had like a little torch flamethrower in his arm, but it, you know, you going to use it for welding. I don't know what else good he was he was bringing to the table with that. Um, they they just yeah, I don't know. They seemed to they'd fit in well in cyberpunk, like their vibe, I would say, or like um, what's that film with uh, Harrison Ford and. Ross and, uh, Ryan Gosling, Blade Runner, yeah, maybe <clears throat> something like that. But I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like them. Um, mm, interesting. I didn't, like, I didn't like their their car chase. I thought that was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the one thing we can agree on. But we'll get on to the. We'll definitely get on to the the Vespa chase. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't like the um. Well, it's part more part of the chase, but I didn't like the the uh, <clears throat> the mayor's like assistant. I thought his acting wasn't as good in this episode, and some of the action shots, like in his car chase, were just dreadful. I don't know why <laughs> why they chose to zoom in on his face so often. Um, uh, and I know this is this is real. This is a real pet peeve of mine, and I understand why they're doing it. But I think three episodes in, this actually starting to bug me. Is how often Tamara Morrison takes off his helmet. But like, I get why they're doing it. And like, you can go back to the video on Twitter. He's like, and this is the moneymaker, baby. And it's like, you were completely right, Tamara. Like, we all love seeing your face and you have some absolutely fantastic facial expression when you're acting and you are a great actor. But there's just some scenes and I'm just like, especially in this episode, I was just like, you do not need to take your helmet off. Like, it's it adds more drama and like intensity if you leave it on during this conversation sort of thing especially i I think i can't remember what one i'm specifically thinking of Uh, i imagine you're talking about when he's talking to the the cyborg gang right at the beginning and like halfway through he takes his thumb off to speak to them that's that's one yeah and another one is when he's sitting in his throne and i'm like if you're sitting in your throne put your helmet on because you'll look more intimidating and that's the point i get why he doesn't because obviously he's at home chilling but like, if you put your helmet on, you'll seem more intimidating to people. And that's surely what you want when they come to like pay tribute or like request help from a crime boss. Right. I think that is it. But you may inspire me later on <laughs> to think of something else. 
<clears throat> but that, that is it. That's <laughs> no, fine. I just thought I'd just let you vent there a little bit, John, just so I can, I can come in and dismantle your argument. <laughs> you, you can try. No, you I'm can kidding. try. I'm kidding. No, actually, to be honest, I can understand quite a lot of the, the criticisms for this episode. I think a lot of it is just like stylistic choices, which some people are going to like and some people are not going to like. For me, this episode is the attack of the clones of um, the sort of John Favreau and Dave Filoni collection of stories, you know, from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. <clears throat> this to me felt the most like Attack of the Clones and all the stuff that people hated about Attack of the Clones when it came out, you know, bright colours, stuff that looks out of place for Star Wars, you know, cheesy sort of uh, chase scenes and uh, cheesy use of robots. I mean, I'm just thinking of like when they put C-3PO's head on the uh, battle droid, everyone was raging about that. So for me, like... I can understand a lot of criticisms because like some of the stuff is quite out there, quite wacky and um, stylistically an interesting choice when you're sort of going for like a sort of more gritty um, crime style story. However, most of the stuff, and I will talk about stuff that didn't really work for me. Most of the stuff just ended up working for me just because I'm just kind of, I'm one of those people I quite like Star Wars when it gets weird. Like, for years, Attack of the Clones was my favourite prequel. Like, I preferred it to Revenge of the Sith for years. And the only reason I now prefer Revenge of the Sith is purely because the memes um, of Revenge of the Sith are spicier for me. But, like, I, I was one of those people where, like, everyone hate, everyone clowned on Attack of the Clones. And I was always an Attack of the Clones defender because I just thought, like, it was nice to see Star Wars getting really weird and really sort of, like, Dex's Diner being something that, like, loads of people thought looked really dumb or, like, the... The um the, th- the flying um cars on Coruscant being another thing that people were like, oh, it's too shiny, oh, it's this, or oh, it doesn't look like Star Wars. So stylistically, that stuff never really bothered me with Attack of the Clones. It was the st- issues I have with Attack of the Clones are more you know story and acting wise, not stylistically. So I guess that's one of the reasons why some of those wackier choices that were made in this episode didn't really rub me the wrong way in the way that it sort of rubbed a lot of other people the wrong way. Um. I just find it quite interesting that, like, um, you know, you, you, quite a lot of the people I see really clowning on this episode are people who really love the prequels. And me personally, and now people can disagree with me, but the one for me, the style in this episode is the closest thing to the prequels that Disney has made, in my opinion, of like stylistically of like what George did with the prequels. In my opinion, this episode is like the closest that's come to that of just like that sort of more cheesier, wackier. Um, weirder adventure style that he went with for the prequels. So that's my my little thing on all of that. Um, I think some of the the looks of the cyber gang characters worked. Some of them I really liked. Like I liked um, Sophie Thatcher's character Drash. I thought she looked cool and fitted quite well within the the styles aesthetic. Wasn't so much so much the fan of the guy with the eyepiece. And then there was another one in the background who his coat didn't look right to me, which is really nitpicky. I was just like, it doesn't look like a very Star Warsy coat. So I can understand some of the criticisms about the cyber gang, but I'll, I, I quite like when they try and do something a bit different and a bit weird with Star Wars. So I'm going to see where it goes in the next couple episodes before I criticize it too much but uh, it kind of worked all right for me i wasn't actually that bothered about it i was like right okay like we know that people enhance themselves with cybernetics and star wars we've seen this before obviously vader being like the most obvious example but there's loads of examples in canon of you know characters who are cybernetic enhancements so that 
didn't really bother me so much. But aesthetically, some of them, I, I agree with you, some of them didn't didn't look great. But overall, it didn't. It just kind of didn't bother me. Like the the thing I've seen, like a lot of people, and I imagine you're probably on the same boat with this, John. The the shiny vespers. Did you also not like the shiny vespers? Um, I didn't mind the vespers. Like the, the, the uh, excuse me, the design of them, I didn't mind particularly because I thought they. I suppose fitted well with the looks of the people people riding them. Yeah. And I like they fitted in with the character that they were tied to. So I didn't mind that too much. Um I didn't yeah, like I, how slow they were. Oh yeah, well we'll get into that. We'll definitely get into that in a minute. Because I yeah, I think a lot of people were like annoyed. I think shininess wise, they maybe could have been turned like the tone on the car on the Vespers could have been turned down just a little bit. But I personally disagree with the notion that Star Wars shouldn't be able to have bright colours in it because have you seen the prequels? I mean, there were a lot of weird bright colours. I mean, the pod racing had a lot of weird bright colours in it um, and it was not really something that ever bothered me in the past. So um, I'm not trying to like, you know, take apart people who have issues with the episode because I do have issues with the episode as well. But I think some of like the stylistic stuff that some people didn't like, I personally didn't mind. Um, I w- I'm going to be a defender of at least Drash, who is the name of um, Sophie Thatcher's character, which is like the main one of the cyber gang that they've been, they've been dealing with. I'll be a defender of her character because I actually thought she was quite a cool character. <clears throat> I like the way that she sort of stood up to Boba Fett. Seems like a badass. Looking forward to see where that character goes. So I'll uh, I'll fist fight anyone who says anything otherwise uh, about that character, even you, John. Uh, but I think the thing that I do think is the most problematic thing about this episode is that chase sequence. I just didn't think it was shot very well. Um, I, I'm starting to think that it might be a Robert Rodriguez thing. I don't really know because whilst I liked the action scene in the first episode with all the shields, I did, I did think it wasn't the strongest action scene that I've seen in star Wars. And then there were this chase scene as well. was like, you know, really not that good. So I'm starting to like get a bit concerned that I don't know is is, is Rodriguez quite the right person for some of these episodes. But then a lot of the st- other stuff he did in this episode was was great in my opinion. So I don't want to clown on Rodriguez because I, I do think he's cool. So um, yeah, the chase sequence you didn't like either, did you? Uh, no, um, <clears throat> I do agree with you. I think it was. I don't think that yeah, the shooting of it was particularly um, good. I mean, obviously. The as I said, you know, the Vespers <clears throat> seemed to drive at like two miles an hour. Um, I don't, there wasn't much intensity being built, and as I mentioned in my rant <clears throat> a minute ago, like some of the shots of um, uh, Mokshire's like assistant just uh, made like, no sense to me. Like there were certain shots when like he's like waving people out of the way, and it's just like that wasn't necessary. And like, who cares? Like, he seems to be a character, you know, works for like a, one of the biggest, well, who's like, seems to be leading up to one of the biggest crime bosses in like Tatooine. You know, he's, he's secretly making deals with the Pikes, this sort of um, stuff. And yet th- this guy's worried about running over some guy in Mos Eisley, you know, the hive of scum and villainy, you know, who cares? Like, why is he waving people out of the way? Surely his, his only motive to make him like an interesting character would have been just like gunning it and him just knocking people out of the way, you know, really hype him up as a bit of a, 
bit of a, a character who's worthy of working under such an infamous crime boss or in te- or infamous and um, potential crime boss. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, just think I some thought of the some shots are yeah. a bit poor. Yeah, I think some his, some like, of it was goofy. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah, that. Some of yeah, it was goofy. goofy. Um, that actually, funny enough, wasn't the thing that I so much had a problem with for the chase scene. Like, I do agree there may be just a few too many of like the the chase scene gags where they like drive into something and it's like, oh, it's funny because he knocked over the fruit. I think there was a little bit too much of that. Um, it was very sort of like Back to the Future 2, Indiana Jonesy, which I do quite like chasing chase sequences like that if they feel fast paced and if the gags are balanced, which in this one, I think there might just be one or two too many of them, um, including some of like the close ups on his face. I agree with you there. Um, and then I think the the pacing just felt so weird. Like the Vespers were slow. They were so, they were so slow. And I don't know if it's because of like technical problems with filming on the volume or if it was an actual stylistic, stylist, stylistic choice to make it like a 30 miles an hour speed, ch- like car chase. I don't, I don't know, but it, there were some shots where like it looked quite quick and I was like, okay, this is all right. And then like when I watched it back, I was like, yes, yeah, some of those shots look so slow and it just, I, I didn't really feel it like the way that you should feel a chase scene. Um, so I mean, I, the one I compare it to is the one in Solo, the beginning of Solo in Corellia, when Han is Han and Kira are trying to escape from Corellia. Like that is a sick sort of speeder chase that they did with a, a similar sized speeder vehicle, and being you know people chasing them, and that one felt really fast paced. And I don't know if it's the TV budget or the volume or what it quite is, but it just it didn't it didn't work. Um, but then some of the bits actually really cracked me up. Like him going through the painting of Bob of, of um, Bobba Jabba, Bib Fortuna was genius. I thought that was so funny. I actually like laughed out loud when I saw that. I thought that was brilliant. So there's still things I quite liked in the scene. Yeah. I'll give you that bit. That did, but actually did crack me up. That was a, that was a nice little, uh, nice little gag there. Um, I think to be honest, the, the, the I just think the biggest, the thing I've seen, I've seen people complain about on Twitter and I completely agree with it. It's like you right at the end of it, obviously once he's crashed into the, um, the fruit, which is obviously the same fruit that was in that rebels episode where they went on that. Malu runs. And, the Malu yeah, runs. Malu, the Malu, <laughs> Malu runs an episode of rebels, which I was like, that's a nice nod. I'll give them that. Um, is the fact that we have Bobber come in and land off his jetpack right at the end. And it's like, I've just sat through like two minutes of these Muppets chasing it around, chasing each other around Tatooine, while obviously Boba Fett is following from the skies on his jetpack, and we don't get to see that. Like, how do we not get to see an awesome thing of Boba flying through the streets of Tatooine like on his jetpack? You know, like... They could have added in some shots of him like following from above or something like that. And then maybe that could have helped spit look made the chase look a bit faster from like the air or something like that. Or have him like having him shooting from the air or something every now and again. You know, like it's one of the most iconic things about Boba Fett is like the jetpack. And like we all want to see like a Mandalorian riding around on his jetpack. You know, the hype that was in Mando season two when he eventually got his jetpack. And you know, we all love you know the obi-wan Django fett scene when Django's like and his jetpack like shooting down at obi-wan like that's badass and like right before the chase started obviously boba fett's there standing there and he's like he's the other guy sped off and i was like oh 
he's, he's going to fly off, isn't he? He's going to like, and we're going to get a cool like POV from the sky chase sort of thing with maybe the other uh, robots, uh, cyborg people at the bottom, like giving chase in their Vespers. I was like, I was actually really excited for it before it started. And then Boba just stands there and goes like, oh, go get him. And they off they go. And then Boba comes in at the end to just claim the glory. I was like, well, that was a wasted opportunity. I think it's just, it's the fact it's a wasted opportunity is the thing that's um, annoyed me the most. See, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there, John. Uh, and here's my reason why. Whilst I, like, I, to be honest, it would have been really cool to see. I, and I would do, if they go seven episodes in the season without us having a cool Boba Fett flying around in his jetpack scene, I'll eat my words right now and I'll say I was wrong. But I don't really, the reason that didn't bother me so much is because Boba is, in my mind, he has accepted that he's a crime lord now, which means he has to get his underlings to do his dirty work to prove that he has that he's a leader. Like for me, this whole episode was him about was about him growing his his entourage, growing his army. He's seen these people who can clearly fight and fend for themselves. And he thinks, right, these are the sort of people I need working for me because I need enforcers. I need to be respected. People think they can ambush me in the street. And the guy at the beginning said no one respects you. So in my eyes, him sending them to do it instead of him works fine for me because it's like Bob is saying, well, this guy's a little rat. I'm way too good to be chasing him through the streets of Tatooine. The little people will do that for me. So that that's sort of my justification for that. Yes, would it have been cool to see him flying out about in his jetpack? Yeah. Do they need to do that at some point in the season? Absolutely. But am I bothered that he's getting people to do the dirty work for him? Not really, because that's sort of what crime lords are supposed to do. Like, we never saw Jabba the Hutt do any of his dirty work because, well, firstly, because he's a big slug, so he couldn't really get around that quickly. But I think Boba is trying to figure out what it means to be a crime lord. And I think in this particular moment, he's like, whilst I wander the streets and speak to people so they can see me out and about, I don't really need to be seen chasing little weasels through the street. Um, that's a job for Fennec or a job for my Gamorians or a job for my new cyborg gang. So personally, I wasn't that bothered about it, but I think I would have been much less bothered. And I think you probably wouldn't have been as bothered if the chase sequence was shot better. Like if the chase sequence was really, really fast paced and the Vespers looked, they moved the way that they should have moved and the whole thing was framed a little bit better. I think maybe we wouldn't have that criticism of like needing Boba to do anything because I think the chase sequence would have stood on its own. So I kind of understand where you're coming from, but... Uh, this is a note to Favreau, Filoni, Rodriguez, whoever's responsible. You guys are great. You guys are talented, but come on. Sort of the, the, the Disney money you're, you're sitting on right now, you can do better chase sequences than that. So uh, that's that's all I'm going to say on it. Um, I've, I've made my piece. I mean, surprisingly, I do I do agree with you. <clears throat> that, that was part of, uh, obviously, after watching it and being like, oh, what the hell? Um and then sitting on it for a bit, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is something that, you know, um, I could understand why Bobble would send out his goons to do it instead of himself. And I, again, completely agree that, like, if the chase scene had been, like, as good as it should have been, then, uh, yeah, I mean, myself and probably a lot of other people wouldn't have really cared that Bobble hadn't gone and done it himself. I think it's just because it was a disappointing chase scene. And then seeing Bob coming at the end, you just like, oh, for God's sake. 
like, why have I just wasted my time with that when this could have happened and and sort of stuff. <clears throat> so I do, I do agree. If the chasing it had been better and uh, slightly bit more exciting, then we wouldn't have even like the thought of Bob doing it wouldn't have even crossed my mind probably. Um, yeah, and I think that's that. Yeah, I think that's a, fair, a pretty fair criticism. Um, I just. I think that some people are still struggling to come to terms with the fact that this is a completely different Boba Fett. Like he is trying to be uh, a leader, a crime lord, but and not just a reckless bounty hunter. Um, and I think whether people like that decision or not is completely down to personal preference. But I think we need to let the show play out before we all decide. It would have been cooler if Boba was just a bounty hunter. Like maybe we get into the end of the season, we're like, you know what? probably would have just been cooler if he stayed a bounty hunter. But I trust that the reason they're going down this route and the reason that they're trying something different with Boba is because it would make, it will make for a more interesting story. I mean, I've said on the podcast before, I, I think Boba is more interesting in this show than he's ever been before because we're seeing this very different side to his character. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're, they've, they've got things up their sleeve for future episodes. So, yeah. I will, I will hold out judgment on the, on Bobber's badassness in the, in the in the present tense of his storyline until until all the episodes have come out and I've watched them. But yeah, and I mean, I suppose can, should we segue into the next disappointing thing for me? I mean, I know yeah, I disagree on, very much on, all, on, on this uh, on this scene. Is it is it um, some, is it something that, uh, as subtle as the guy saying mate, or is it a whole scene? <laughs> Oh no, it's the whole scene. Like, well, oh, that guy saying mate at the end, he's dead to me. Like, oh god, what was that about? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Boba saying mate to the massive in episode one was funny and I liked it. I I don't need every single person in Star Wars to start saying uh, like colloquial English terms. Like it's not as someone who grew up in England, I don't I don't want to hear it in the same way that I don't want to hear people saying colloquial Scottish terms in it either. It's just Boba Fett can say makes is tomorrow Morrison but I kind of don't want <laughs> like Cockney Star Wars characters yeah and it's like oh, it was so bad I, I think by that point in the episode as well I was like uh, I'm not going to lie like, I was not giving it like that little conversation like my 100% attention like, I don't know what I was doing I was probably like, on my phone or something and he said mate and I like looked up at the screen and I was like what <laughs> like, it dragged <laughs> me away from whatever I was like actually focusing on um and he, he said it and i was like i had to rewind it i was like what <laughs> I was like, yeah oh, it kind of, yeah, kind of took me some... out the moment yeah i was like yeah. why is there some sort of like cockney geezer <laughs> like talking to uh talking to boba fett like oh just yeah. oh, it made no sense i wasn't I was like, oh, sounds yeah. of tatooine i wasn't a massive fan of his character but as i said at the beginning i liked drash so um i We'll see. We'll see what they do with these cyborg characters. Maybe next episode they'll do something cool with them, or maybe they'll all die apart from the one cool one who I like, Drash, and then I'll be happy, um, and everyone else will be happy, or they'll still moan because one of them survived. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that was a bit of a. It was a bit of a weird, like yeah, it's all right, mate. It's like there's a difference between saying like yeah, it's all right, mate, and. Um, and uh, Bobber's little little joke with the, the no hard feelings, mate. Like that was funny, but this didn't work for me. So, John Favreau, when you, when you're writing your script next time, can you stop putting mates in it? <laughs> yeah, there's only one allowed per season, and uh, yeah. you used it up already, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it gives me 
PTSD back to when I was making my film and my actor Reese uh, couldn't go more than one line without putting a mate at the end of his sentence, even though it was not on the script. And we literally took <laughs> two hours trying to film one scene. He kept on saying mate. So the word is banned. John, mate, do you want to talk about the scene that you don't like? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I know we disagree on this one, and I feel like this is this is more of a controversial one than the one I was talking about earlier. Um, and this is the the, the fight between um, Boba and uh, Black Krishanta. Yeah, you're wrong. I I just did not enjoy it like, at all. Yeah, well, you're right. that's, I was a bit. That's another. That's a bit of an overreaction. I I enjoyed the beginning of it, and then the I tell you the moment when it really was. I was like, oh, this is. Uh, this is the way it switched for me is I was enjoying the fight up until I think it was when Boba did like a a nice little dodge roll out of the way and went for his like gauntlet and like picked it up and then just got like dragged away and I like, didn't manage to do anything with it and I was like I feel like had Boba got the gauntlet I'm assuming that was one of the flamethrower or something like that would have changed like the whole fight for me and I just uh, I think it's just like episode one, Boba. You know, he got he got a bit mugged off by those assassins, which is like fine. You know, there was like eight of them. It was pretty intense. A good fight. I'll give him all credit for that. That was fine. That was an interesting scene. It set the tone for where Boba is at the moment. You know, sort of thing. Um, but I was really. It's probably just me hyping up a bit. You know, me wanting to see something that I'm probably just like overhyping or something like that. But um, I just felt like again, just Boba just got his ass handed to him. <laughs> Which is fine, you know. He's fighting a Wookiee, not just any Wookiee as well. You know, like one of the most notorious, you know, deadliest Wookiees in the galaxy. Um, but I just feel like the fight could have been slightly more even, because again, Boba had to like, you know, he got help from the the, the cyborg people, um, which is again fine. They seem to be setting him up something, but I was just slightly disappointed, and that's probably my own fault for hyping something up. But I just feel like the fight would have gone so much, it would have been so much more compelling and interesting, in my opinion, if Bob had managed to get his gauntlet, you know, set Crescenta on fire or something and like reset, like reset the fight. Like, not, I don't want Bob, you know, burning Crescenta and then he like dominates him, like the fight's over in the next 10 seconds. Like, I was, I was hoping for like a reset in the fight and Bob being able to, you know, compose himself a bit and then like an actual scrap would begin. Because obviously he got sucker punched and you know grabbed out the tank, which is again that was that was exciting because that was like oh my god how did he get in here you know like what's Boba gonna do like he's dead surely obviously he's not because like eight more episodes to come or whatever but it's like oh my god he's dead like what's gonna happen so I was I was, I was really hoping for like that would be like a reset point and then we could get into like the proper fight or like that would have bought Boba a few seconds to maybe put on like um, his like chess piece and helmet or something and then the real fight would have begun or something like that just just uh, I think it was just very one-sided until um obviously Boba got help which I think is like just something that I'm not entirely on board with and maybe like uh, in another three episodes it might grow on me a bit more but you know it's, it's two times now that we've had Boba Fett basically being rescued by someone else in the in the episode um and I, I just, it doesn't quite sit well with me. Like maybe I need a, you know, a bit longer just to sit with it and digest it. But for me personally, it's just not how I wanted it to go. You know what, John? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, I did, well, too much. I'll, I'll give you the reasons why I disagree. Firstly, of course he got his ass handed to him. Boy was asleep in his pants in a in a tank full of water healing, and then he got yanked out mid sleep and beaten by a seven foot Wookie. Of course he got his ass handed to him. But no, I can I can understand some of it. But I think the reason I don't know, the reason the fight I mean, if it was a fair fight in the sense of Boba was in his armor outside wide awake obviously it would have been a bit more of an exciting fight between the two of them but obviously they the huts you know in my mind the huts are cowards so they've obviously sent chrysanthemum after him whilst he was asleep they set it up last episode they were like sleep tightly bounty hunter boba should have probably uh clocked onto the fact they had said that and maybe thought oh, i'm not going to sleep but you know learn from your, your mistakes so obviously you know the plan was we'll send chrysanthemum when he's when he's out sparko and we'll, we'll get him killed then so they're cowards and i think that's how, how the huts have always played it um but i think the whole thing about him going for his gauntlet I think that was fine because it led to him picking up his gaffy stick. And for me, that was cooler because like one of the things about Boba Fett is the question of like, without his armor, is he even that tougher guy? Like if you just bumped into Boba Fett in the street and he was just walking around in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, like, is he still Boba Fett? Like, is he still a tough guy? Um, and I think obviously we've seen in the flashbacks that he loses his armor and, you know, he's still tough and he's, you know, deals with that, that Nikto gang in Toshi station. And I think, you know, in this moment, I think it's just another bit of added piece to his character of like, you know, it's like, for me, it was connecting back to the, the, the flashbacks, of, you know, he goes, he goes for the gauntlet. The gauntlet doesn't work for him. So he goes for the gaffy stick and the gaffy stick does work for him for about 10 seconds until Chrysanthemum overpowers him. Um, and, you know, he whacks Chrysanthemum in the back with a gaffy stick and stabs him in the leg. I thought that was awesome. Um, but I, I realistically think like, you know, the two of them having a scrap, like the only way that Boba wins is by keeping, keeping the high ground, you know, staying up, up in the air and launching rockets at the boy. Chrysanthemum's a, a tough He's a gladiator. He's used to just beating on people. So I think it's fairly realistic in this situation that Boba's going to lose because he's he's just walking around in his underwear. But he still gave Chris Anton a run for his money when he got hold of his gaffy stick, which for me ties back to this, his, his connection with the Tuscans and his strength uh, through that bond that he had with them. And then I'm going to be honest, I just thought the, last, the rest of the fight was just fun. Like just seeing Black Chris Anton clothesline two Gamorians down the stairs was unbelievable. It made me laugh. It made me smile. It made me very happy. I thought it was really cool. I liked the little shot when like Drash's character like walked in and like flicked the little like flick knife out. I thought that was a cool little shot. Um, And then I really liked like Fennec Shand being smart enough to like use the Rancor pit to, to, you know, subdue him and eventually get the whole thing together. So personally, I liked it. I liked the Gamorians getting involved and like bother at the end being like, get into my back to tank. I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I just, the shot of just like Chris Anton pulling him out the back to tank just really like made me jump. I was like, geez, like it's happening. And I thought it was a really, really cool action scene. I thought it was quite sort of quite gritty and quite brutal. And I genuinely was like scared for Boba Fett. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that's something to do well. I think, it's it's a tricky one because Disney have found them uh, Lucasfilm have found themselves in a position where they have 
people making videos every day on why Ray should never have won every single fight that she was in when she didn't win every fight she was in. She was too OP. And then now they're being told that their main character is too weak. And it's like, I think it's a tricky one to get around because everyone has expectations of things. But I think a Mandalorian, he gets his ass handed to it. Like Mando, Din Djarin gets his ass handed to him a lot, but then he also wins. And I think we're just happening to see Boba getting his ass handed to him because he's not a Jedi. He's not uh, this like, you know, massive, unstoppable beast. He is just a human being. And yeah, he's like one of the strongest bounty hunters going. And when he's fully in his armor, he can't mess with him. But I think it's just unrealistic to assume that he's always just going to be ready to win a fight. Um, and I just don't think we've ever seen him getting caught off guard in like, the comics and stuff. And now we are seeing him get caught off guard. It's like, right, of course he's going to take a couple L's. But for me, I think the reason they're doing this is so we see a different side to his character and we, we don't just see this like unstoppable badass and that's all he is. Like we actually see a human being behind the the armor and that sort of thing. So I don't have a problem with it. I thought the fight scene was really cool. It was, I just was excited to see Black Crescent and fighting. As I said, the, the him launching himself at the Gamorians was unreal. That's one of my, that'll be one of my favorite parts of the whole season, I reckon by the end of it. So, um, I disagree with you, John. I thought it was a good fight, and I reckon in time you'll come to appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, <clears throat> I think again. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Only in episode three, and there's a couple of things that I think if they happen later on in the season, um, maybe it'll make the fight you know a bit more compelling to me. You know, I think we definitely need to see Black Shanton again because you know. He appeared in episode two for like a basically a cameo, and um, you know he was he was badass in in this episode. But again, you know as as you said, he was beating on a man standing in his underwear. You know he he did clothesline a couple of Camorans, and you know he, he dominated um, once all the the um, he did some domination once the you know the cavalry came running in. So that was that was cool to see. I do agree that those scenes were were cool. Um, and I just hope we get to see a bit more of him. You know, I would like to see him maybe go up against Boba again, maybe later in the season when, when Bob is, you know, fully armoured up and they can actually have like an even fight. <clears throat> um, just, I think it'd be a bit of a waste not to have, like not to show off Black Santon to be capable of going toe to with Boba, even when he's, um when he's all armoured up. Like, I think that would be a bit of a waste. So uh, hopefully if we get to see that, maybe I'll look a bit more fondly on, on the, <clears throat> on this fight um fair enough fair enough still think you're wrong yeah. you toxic idiot <laughs> <laughs> i mean i still would have had i still would have had boba like losing this fight like i still would have had him only surviving because like fennec comes in or something and like does you know finishes in the same way she does now like in the rancor pit like i still would have had boba only surviving due to like someone else's help like fennec's help for example but i think in for my personal opinion, I would have had it slightly more even for like maybe twenty percent of the fight. <laughs> like there's another twenty percent of like a fair scrap, and that would have satisfied me. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, uh, obviously, I think there's a, the beauty of Star Wars is that different people can see different parts of Star Wars differently. Everyone should be in, allowed to have their opinions. Um, 
even though you're wrong and you're toxic and uh, you're part of the fandom menace and uh, you're the reason that George Lucas sold Star Wars, John. It's you specifically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is only my opinion. And I, and I know that um, sometimes it's just one of those things that like, yeah, you, you see a couple, <clears throat> you see the scene developing and then by, you know, you've already pictured it in your head before like the next sentence has already come out of the character's mouth or something, you know. You, you hype it up in your head with with what you want to see, and it's definitely like that's definitely why I'm I was slightly disappointed by you know, both those scenes we just discussed, and um, yeah, you know, it's just one of those fair. things. Like and and like with me, so many things in Star Wars have like my opinions have changed over time. I've like sometimes a lot of the time it's like stuff that I've grown to like, but sometimes it's stuff that I used to like and now I'm not so keen on. So I do think that um, there's always room to to look at things and reevaluate things, you know, when the final product or the, the end of the trilogy or whatever comes out. Also, we'll see, see what people think of this episode by the end of the season. Maybe some people will just be like, yeah, it was a miss for me, but the rest of the season was good. Or maybe some people will be like, I can't understand what they were doing with this episode. Now I've seen the whole thing, but um, yeah, it, it, that, that fight was the, the bit that I really liked. And when I, like, I was chatting to my mates and they were like, Oh, I didn't like the black chrysanthemum fight. I was like, what? Did you watch the same thing? Like the chase sequence, I understand. I know why people don't like that, but the, the Black Chrysanthemum fire, I was like, that was sick. So um, there's, your, there's, your, there's your big bit of disagreement between me and John there. You, you, you've had it. <laughs> Hopefully uh, that'll be the last of it. Hopefully the last. It'll be when we get to Obi-Wan Kenobi and it's like the first episode and John's like, that's the best thing ever. And I was like, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> no slander. No slander on everyone. <laughs> Um, can, can I talk about the, my, my favourite part of the whole episode? Of course you can. The Rancor scene, John. Did you like the Rancor scene? Yeah, that was sick. Yeah, this was my favourite part of the whole episode for me. Like, I, I liked I liked the bit when they sort of went out and spoke to the Huts. I think I, still, I have seen some criticism of people saying that like the Huts just sort of like gave up too quickly, but in my opinion there's a reason why they've just decided they give up. Either they're playing the long game of chess and they're thinking, let's dip out of here. Let's let these people fight amongst each other. And then we'll come in and take over once the fighting's over. Or the thing that I think is more likely is that there's someone above the pikes and the huts are genuinely scared of the, whoever that is, who is above the pikes. Um, because we know from a recent series of comics that the Hut council was pretty much all slaughtered by Darth Vader back just before Return of the Jedi. So the huts are pretty weak at the moment. I mean, after Jabba being dead, I don't think that there, that there are even that many huts left in the galaxy. So I can understand why they thought like, right, there's something clearly going on here. Let's dip out. You know, we tried to kill Boba. It didn't work. Let's just leave him to it. So I didn't have a problem with that. Um, but the, the Rancor scene when, uh, when Boba and the Rancor keeper played by the wonderful Danny Trejo, that was such a cool thing to see um when Boba spoke to the rancor reasons i liked it i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go off on a little thing here but firstly it was i just thought it was really cool i like it when star wars sort of takes um something that we already know and flips on his head so obviously like they've done it with the tuscans of like we thought they were savages they were raiders they're actually misunderstood people the rancor we always thought was like this terrifying beast that luke skywalker killed now we see that they're actually like misunderstood creatures and, you know, they're, they are bred to fight, but actually they, um, 
they're big softies really is what they're saying and I, I really like that I like it when Styles does that secondly Tamara Morrison was brilliant in the scene just him like smiling whilst he was like scratching the side of the rancor's head was like really sick and he was like, oh that's the spot like that was that was just really charming to me main reason I really liked it though is I thought it was really poetic because in my mind what the scene was saying was like this is a beast that is that is trained to, to kill it's, it's bred for the purpose of fighting bred for the purpose of killing bred for the purpose of you know um destroying things and really it's just looking for you know when it lays its eyes on its first person that it, it forms a connection it's just looking for like a connection and i think that is so similar to boba because boba he's a clone his dad was a bounty hunter who chose to he literally asked dooku to give him a, a clone, an un- like a, a, a clone version to be his kid, so he could carry on his legacy as a bounty hunter. He literally created Boba for the purpose of being a killer, and he was, like all clones, was bred for the purpose of war, just like the Rancor. And we know that clones from the Clone Wars, they looked for connection. They they became friends with one another. They looked up to their Jedi Masters. They were, they were friendly with one another. And then we know from Boba that... He actually did look, he, he wanted to have connection, but he, he sort of never could because of his brutal life he got, he got um, bred into. And it wasn't until he met the Tuscans or Fennec that he finally found people that he could connect to and could find a sort of a family of a sense. So I think it's really poetic because the Rancor and Boba are so similar in the sense of their these misunderstood creatures who have been bred for the purpose of fighting. And really they're just like everyone else in the galaxy of like just trying to find connection to other beings. So I thought that was a very deep and poetic thing. And I just thought it was a really beautiful and basically the whole mission statement of this season of television. So big up John Favreau for that because I really liked it and I cannot wait to see Boba Fett riding the Rancor because hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, Beautifully said. I don't think I could uh, add much to what you've just said. I completely agree with that. Um, I will, I'll just add in the extra points that, that that came from for for me with the Rancor thing. I mean, one, obviously, it just reminded me very much of uh, in Return of the Jedi after uh, Luke slaughters the the poor Rancor. You have the uh, the Rancor's like keeper who's clearly very distraught. Yeah, at the, the, uh, the Rancor boy. being kill, killed. So you know that that leads in well to what. Um, uh, the conversation between Bob and the Rancor keeper, you know, that obviously Rancors can form a very deep bond with their keeper. So it's no wonder he was so distraught after Luke um, slaughtered his boy. Um, and then obviously the the line, um, Boba says, you know, I've ridden beasts 10 times this size. You know, it's a nice little, nice little nod to the, the uh, is it the Christmas special, the holiday special where Bob is riding some yeah, yeah, gigantic dinosaur thing? Yeah. yeah it's the, so. the little animated short, the, the, the faithful yeah. working short from that where he rides the big dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going to throw that down as a nod to that. It might not be, but I'm assuming it is. Oh, it definitely um, will be. John Favreau's definitely done that as a little nod, 100%. Yeah. So that's uh, some little takeaways I got from that from that scene. But yeah, I completely agree. A uh, great scene. And you've uh, analysed that beautifully with Bobber and the, the Rancor there. Completely, completely agree with everything you said. So nice. Thank you, thank you. See, we've come to agreement again after disagreement. I also liked that uh, Danny Trejo mentioned the Witches of Daphomir. Just hearing their names being said in live action was like, hell yeah, 
give me more witches uh, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was really cool actually yeah, yeah. um so yeah, no, I, I thought that was about was probably my favourite scene at the thing. I cannot wait to see this sort of like connection with the Rancor develop. Um, I, I loved it in the High Republic when we saw Jedi riding Rancor. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing a Boba Fett riding a Rancor. I think that's going to be pretty epic. And I, I definitely think it's very symbolic of what the show's doing. So uh, yeah, I, I really rated it. The only other thing that I wanted to add before we move on to talking about characters and start to wrap up this episode is the <laughs> the earlier thing of me talking about how this was like the most prequel episode of the book of Boba Fett was, I don't know if you noticed it, but the scene where there's the, the womp rat running along outside Jabba's palace that the bird grabs. And then there's the other alien, which grabs <laughs> the bird like the, the two of them at the same time and, and i assume you know what i'm talking about yeah i do i remember watching that and being like geez nice time to well there's always a bigger fish that was always. it was like just out of the phantom menace wasn't it <laughs> always a bigger fish. always a bigger fish exactly yeah that bit made me laugh i saw that and i was like that's just so star warsy <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, we had the, the little cameo with the bomar monk at the beginning as well which was yeah, nice to see again. Yeah, I like the Bowman monks. Um, but we didn't see any more Max Rebo this week, which was a, a damn shame. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed they couldn't just squeeze him in somewhere. Yeah. Just have him like, walking along the background, something like that. Exactly, with his no arms, just walking on his... To, uh, have you have you been privy to this whole conversation about Max Rebo not having arms? I have. I think I saw on TikTok like, yeah. at some point this week. Yeah. Where he plays with his feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Shailo Ren is probably who you've seen doing that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, there was a, the the whole thing on TikTok just blew up and Twitter about the fact that he has no arms and it's been confirmed by like Pablo Hidalgo and everyone that Ortolans don't have arms, they just have feet, which means that he plays the piano with his feet. And then the whole joke was that because the music he plays is jizz, that he makes jizz with his feet. So that, that was something that kept me quite entertained over the last week, I must admit. <laughs> Um, anyway should we should we talk about our standout characters of the episodes if you even had any john because you're such a toxic hater i do have one <laughs> um, right go on. i'm like I, i'm worried i might be jumping the gun with this and that uh in a future episode he may be more of an obvious standout character but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give this one to uh, uh ad8 h8 my god what's wrong with me 8d8 the, uh, yeah. the robot because yeah. i feel like he had a lot more lines in this episode and i you know we all love a bit of matt berry um i think he delivered some sassy lines here he had a bit more to do um and you know i wasn't a massive fan of this episode anyway so uh, it was a i had to pick someone <clears throat> and i think you know he uh he really grew as a character in the in this episode as opposed to the last two um He's, he's, he made his presence known at times, yeah. which I will give, give him credit for. So, yeah, I agree with you. He was great. He's really good. Like him at the beginning, like um, when he like wouldn't mention Jabba the Hutt's name, <laughs> and Bob like was like, "You can say it." And then um, him 
what was it when when the guy comes in and says like no one respects you and he like raises his arms as if saying like what did you say <laughs> that bit really <laughs> that cracked me up and then the thing that probably made me laugh the most out of this entire episode was um when Boba was like having that intimate moment with a rancor and he just po- pokes his head round the back of the rancor <laughs> that bit was yeah, so funny exactly he's like he reminds me of C-3PO slightly but just far less annoying like he's he's just there with a bit of sass every now and again, and oh, you know, I think if you just watch him in the background, he's actually quite amusing as well when he's just like in the background of a scene. But... We won't have any C three PO slander online from Vader's castle, John. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it all back. That'll be a feisty debate if we get onto C three PO because I've got a lot of defending for C three PO. Yeah, no, I agree. He's really funny, and then uh, Matt Berry's killing it with the voice for that one of just like this weird torture droid which is actually like so sassy yeah i think it's really good i agree well my uh, my standout character is he is actually he's currently nameless he hasn't been given a name but that is of course the rancor keeper himself played by uh by danny trower which is awesome just like when the close-up of like because i saw the guy in the background like when the rancor was coming in i was like wait a minute i was like leaning into the tv through my laptop screen i was like is that and then i saw a danny trying i was like hell yeah of course he's in it it's robert rodriguez's cousin or second cousin or whoever a legend of the game great actor in so many different roles in cinema history and he's 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 landed in star wars and i also just loved it on twitter and instagram he seems so gassed about the fact he's in star wars so big him up but i thought his character was actually a really cool character of this this guy who like has like essentially rescued this rancor and like um you know taken it in and bred it and i think having a character like him who's like similar to malakili in the sense of like he sees rancors as like the misunderstood beasts that they are instead of you know these terrifying killing machines um i think he's really interesting and um yeah i love this character and i hope we see him in the next episode teaching teaching Bob how to ride the rancor and then i think it would be really funny if he says to Boba, he's like oh so you just got to like like so i'll do it like this and then just be like like a benfa and then they, they just both look at each other <laughs> that would be a, a class bit of dialogue into i mean yeah. it's always a pleasure seeing uh seeing danny pop up and things i feel like <clears throat> over the last i don't know however since i can remember he's just been one of those guys that just will show up with a cameo in something i was like that that Mexican guy. I don't want to sound stereotypical, but I just feel like that's what he's been yeah. doing in the last few years. I'm just sharp as like the intimidating looking Mexican fella. Um, yeah. And he's got an awesome mustache. It just brings the heat with him. He does. He has a, he has an awesome mustache. One that I'm very jealous of. I can even dream of such facial hair. Uh, so it's always a pleasure to see him show up and things. And Star Wars, yeah, it's nice to see him in the Star Wars universe as his, um, his first voyage. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was cool. Big up, big up. Uh, I hope we get a name for him because at the moment he doesn't have a name. But I hope we get a name for him at some point. So, uh, and then we get a Funko one day of just him and a Rancor. That'd be cool. And should we, mm. should we talk imagine about the, background characters? Oh, sorry. I was just saying, imagine the size of the mustache on the um, pop, pop Funko. <laughs> They've got massive heads. So the, the mustache is going to be exquisite. Yeah, now, yeah, I'm picturing that. I'm like, we need that. We need that Funko. <laughs> Some background characters. Yes, I mean, 
I'm gonna Good I'm gonna mark. go first because I've I've got a I've got a beauty of one that uh, I think is uh, people are gonna question whether it is even a character because it's technically a, an inanimate object. But my favorite background character of this episode is Salacious B. Crumb, who you can see in the portrait of Jabba the Hutt that the biker guy rides into during the fight. And the reason I like this is because obviously the painting made me laugh. I thought it was really cool that we saw the painting there. Um, and obviously I saw it and I was like, oh, there's Jabba, there's Bib, there's Boba. And then on my rewatch, I was like, wait a minute, there's a little Salacious B. Crumb right there in Jabba's lab. Of course he's there because that's where he always is. But I saw him and I was like, hell yeah, this is the closest we're going to get to actually seeing Salacious B. Crumb in Star Wars again. And I'm absolutely fine with that. But to all the Salacious B. Crumb fans out there, we got fed with that one single split second blink if you'll miss it moment of seeing Salacious B. Crumb again on the screen. So I just have to put my thank you and appreciation out to John Favreau and team for delivering on the brilliance of Salacious B. Crumb by literally not even having him in real life, just a painting of him. I mean, pleasure in the game. Uh, RIP to him. <clears throat> pleasure to, to see him as always. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a background character. You, you uh, picked a, <laughs> yeah. a niche background character there. Although, uh, you know, I know you say, we say rest in peace, but, you know, Max Rebo managed to survive the... Uh, the, and Bob, Bib Fortuna both survived the um, sail barge disaster. So maybe Salacious B. Crumb survived as well, because last time we saw him, he got zapped by R2-D2 and jumped onto the roof. So maybe he made it out there alive. Maybe. Could this be foreshadowing his, his appearance? In, maybe um, it's foreshadowing the big return of, of Salacious B. Crumb. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'll be on the edge of my seat every episode, looking at every corner of the screen, being like, oh, where is he? <laughs> Could you imagine if, like, he does appear? It's like, oh, I've been sitting here for, like, a year waiting for them to bring Bosk back, and they don't bring Bosk back, but they bring back Salacious Crumb. <laughs> to be honest, that would not surprise me. It'll it'll get him out just uh, just for the no- just for the novelty of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a uh, another week goes by and Bosk Watch continues to be disappointed. So um hopefully next week. Anyway, John, your background character. Uh <clears throat> my background character is a character that literally just wanders through in the background. Uh Eagle Eyed fans will have spotted her and her a trio of droids following behind her. That is a Penny Motto. Fans of the Mandalorian would have recognized her straight away. Uh she's obviously the uh Hangar Bay Keeper woman uh, in Mando season <clears throat> season one, um, you know the the lady with the sass and the the uh, the authority that puts Mando in his place a few times when it comes to looking after poor uh, poor Grogu. So it's just a it's just a pleasure to see her going about her daily business, uh, wandering the streets of, of Tatooine, followed by her droids. You know, it's just always a pleasure to see a returning character. Um, it's nice to see that you know, obviously we saw her in the past tense uh or flashback Boba. So it's nice to see that she's she's still kept her look. Um, you know, five years later on the Mandalorian, she didn't fancy a change of hair or anything in the in the time between. You know, she's 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 got a look and she's sticking to it. So I think that's a nice bit of continuity there and uh, something to put in the uh, canon canon you know, dictionary. Uh, Pelly motto has not changed her look in at least five years. Um, so full shout out for that and lovely to see her return. 
Yeah, no, I, I, it was one of the ones that I, when I was watching it, I was like, hey, it's Penny Moto in the background. I sort of like half expected her to then show up in the next scene. And then I was glad she didn't. I liked that it was just like a little nod for those, for the Mando fans. Because, you know, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett has really been built on like giving sort of like references to the original trilogy and prequels and all that sort of thing. But the fact that we've now got to a point where John Favreau is self-referencing his own characters that he created two years ago is just just brilliant stuff. So yeah, I was glad that we had that little cameo in there. That was a it was good fun and uh, a character that I'm sure will return again at some point in the future. She's she's made it into every season of the Favreau and Filoni verse so far. So I'm sure she'll be back for Mando season three. Yeah, I hope so. That's a good point. It is nice that we Favreau is now referencing his own characters uh, in in his shows. I mean, uh, it shows we've gotten to a nice point in the Star Wars now, and uh, just a, just a pleasure seeing her back. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Have you got Have you got any more thoughts, rants, criticisms of this episode before before we wrap it up? Or uh, has this has this long discussion completely changed your perspective, and it's now your favorite episode of Star Wars television? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean I've got nothing more to say, but I feel like what what I've said I've uh, I've um, I've I don't know just run out of things to rant about. I've uh, fixed my own issues, I suppose. Having to I, I rant about it was, was quite nice, and uh, it's just nice to get it out in the air. Um, but you know, I'm I'm still looking forward to next week. Don't get me wrong, you know, I still think that this whole series is going to be fantastic, um, and I think maybe it was needed to have an episode uh, where I didn't quite enjoy it as much just to maybe um, put me back on, put me back on, on level for the rest of the series. You know, I think I've, I flew too close to the sun of my expectations um, and things that I personally wanted. So (laughs) now we've got back to, got back to flying level. Um, We can enjoy the rest of the series for what it is. Yeah, I run that risk when we get to the end of episode seven and Bosk still hasn't arrived. And I'm just like, this whole show has been trash. It's been a waste of time. I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I don't want to talk about this stupid show and stupid Disney who didn't even put Bosk in a book of Boba Fett show. That'll be me, spiteful me, when we reach the end of episode seven and there'll still be no Bosk. <laughs> yeah, see, I've had my, had my doubts early on now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I... I mean, as I said, I think it's the weakest of the three episodes we've had so far, but I still find myself really enjoying it. I just sort of, I find it fairly easy just to get on board with the weird and wacky stuff that Star Wars does sometimes. Was I on board with some of the technical uh, technical aspects of the chase sequence? No, not really. Uh, was I on board with a couple of the other decisions? Not massively, but, you know, vast majority of the stuff I liked. Um, I will stand by the Chrysanthemum fight. I really enjoyed it. I think the uh, the cyborg gang is a little bit out there, a little bit weird, but I'm sort of mostly here for it. So we'll see where that goes in the future. But uh, I definitely put myself as liking the episode a little bit more than that sort of the the people that I've been seeing who have disliked it. But I also don't think it's an amazing, flawless bit of television. And I think that this is one of those situations where people who um, people who dislike the episode actually come at it with fairly valid points and I think as long as we're all discussing Star Wars with respect and uh, you know disliking something because of valid reasons that actually exist within the context of show and not disliking something for stuff that has nothing to do with the stuff that we're actually watching then I think we can all get along fine and uh, and I think me and John have managed to get through this episode without swinging any fists 
No, no, no thrusts were no fists were thrown that good. And I think, you know, it's nice sometimes to have a bit of a, a healthy discussion about, you know, things you, you disagree with because uh, as Dan said, you know, so, um, you're not going to like everything and you're not always going to agree with everyone. <clears throat> so it's just as long as you can come across it with, as Dan said, you know, valid valid points and understand that the things you didn't like is just personally your opinion. You know, like I understand that the things I didn't like, I didn't like them. Like I'm not necessarily going to say I like bad television because it's just, it's just bad television in my opinion. you got to add that little context on the end there or you sound like a bit of a dick. Um, so... Yeah, it's, just, it's nice to have a discussion on these things and hopefully it means that when something, you know, next episode when we I do, I'm sure, very much enjoy it, it'll be, be just as fun to talk about. Um, it'll make that, that episode scene even better. You know, you can't you can't enjoy the sunshine without a little rain. True. Very true words. Although, could you imagine, I can't imagine if John turns around to me in like a week's time and is like, Dan, I tell you what, I really hated that new High Republic book. I don't even know if we'd ever be able to have a full podcast episode without without actual shots being fired. <laughs> I mean, I very much doubt it. <laughs> no, I doubt it as well. Is, yeah, it's good book. Flying, flying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, that's our that's that, that sums up our um discussion of episode three of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, it's all the the day that this will be out. We'll be having a brand new episode tomorrow to talk about. Um, so. We won't be obviously won't be talking about it then, but you know we'll have a brand new episode out, and we're looking forward to discussing that as well. And then, as we've been saying, we've got a book review coming out soon. And then, when the book of Boba Fett ends, we'll be going back to I don't know talking about whatever we, whatever else we want to talk about. So lots of fun stuff coming up. So do stay tuned to the podcast. Make sure you're liking it, subscribing to it, following it on on the app that you use, so you don't miss an episode leave us reviews, ratings. It helps us out a lot. So if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your fellow Star Wars fans about us and follow us on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle, at Vader's Castle Pod on Twitter. And then we're also Live from Vader's Castle on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitch. We're all over the place. So if you want more from us, that's where we are. Um, so yeah, that's everything from me. John, got anything else to say before we leave? Nah, that's all I've got. All the toxicity has left me now. I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> He's no longer a toxic fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just I'll I'll end off with uh thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.